five, six, seven, eight. Divorced. Beheaded. Died. Divorced. Beheaded. Survived. Now, podcast listeners, we are live. Welcome, welcome. Happy New Year, everybody. Yes, welcome to 2021. We're so glad you're here to join us in our stagey ramblings. Today, we have an extra special stagey rambling about the fan favorite musical, Six. Yes, we do. So let's jump right in. Six the Musical is a modern retelling of the lives of the wives of Henry VIII, presented as a pop concert. The wives take turns singing and telling their story to see who suffered the most due to Henry and should therefore become the group's lead singer. The show begins with the queens introducing themselves performing at a pop concert, telling the audience that the position of the lead singer will be the prize for whoever had it the worst with King Henry. Catherine of Aragon recalls how Henry wished to annul their marriage and place her in a nunnery when he began lusting after Anne Boleyn. In return, Anne mocks Catherine about how Henry wanted her instead, but complains of the infidelity Henry partook in, which leads to Anne Boleyn committing her own affairs and ending up beheaded as a result. Jane Seymour announces it is her turn to partake in the contest, but is mocked for having had an easy time with Henry. However, while admitting... She may have been the only one Henry truly loved. Jane claimed the love was conditional on her having produced a male heir and that she had stood by him despite knowing his many faults. The queens then parody a dating app by presenting a choice of three women for Henry. He chooses Anna of Cleves but soon rejects her and annuls the marriage. She makes a show of complaining about living in a beautiful palace with a massive fortune and no man to tell her what to do. Ending up bragging about it. The queens question this and Anna decides to drop out of the competition in favor of returning to her lavish lifestyle. The queens then make fun of Catherine Howard for being the least relevant Catherine. But in retaliation, she mentions flaws in the other queens' reasons for winning before recounting her romantic history. Having had many suitors, even as a child, and at first she had relished in her own attractiveness, but then reveals the emotional trauma and abuse she faced in each of these relationships. As the queens continue to fight over who is the true winner, Catherine Parr questions the point of the competition, which defines them by their connection to Henry rather than as individuals. The queens, however, do not listen and continue to argue. Annoyed, Catherine Parr tells of her separation from her lover and arranged marriage with Henry, but mainly acknowledges her accomplishments independent of Henry. The other queens, realizing they have been robbed of their individuality, abandon the contest and declare that they do not need his love to feel validated as people. They then rewrite their stories, singing together as a group rather than as solo artists, and writing their own happy endings to go down in her story. Gold star for Kathy Parr. Woohoo! The show's writers, Lucy Moss and Toby Marlowe, were a pair of British students studying at the University of Cambridge. Six was written and composed while the pair were studying for finals, and was then presented by the Cambridge University Musical Theatre Society during its debut in 2017 at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. After the success of its first run at the Eidenberg Fringe, Six was invited back to a larger festival stage in 2018, and soon after had another showing in Cambridge. These performances attracted the attention of producers Kenny Max and Global Musicals, who then gave the show its professional debut at the Arts Theatre. In early 2019, the Arts Theatre production transferred to the West End, where it has continued to run up until temporary closures due to COVID-19. 
The West End run led to productions of six all over the world, with a North American tour, a Norwegian Cruise Line production, and a UK tour all beginning that same year. Even 2020 was a big year for six, with shows opening in Australia and New Zealand and also on Broadway before being closed and postponed due to the pandemic. And now we have a fun segment we like to call The Real Housewives of Henry VIII. We all know that only so much can be covered in an 80-minute musical, but as they say in the show, there's so much more to these women. Catherine of Aragon grew up in Spain and was sent to England in 1501 to marry Prince Arthur, Henry VIII's older brother and heir to the throne, who she had been engaged to since birth. When Arthur died suddenly in 1502, Catherine's future became uncertain. Eventually, the Catholic Church gave permission for Catherine to marry Henry, which she did in 1509, once he had been crowned King of England. Catherine of Aragon was married to Henry VIII for 24 years and was very popular during her time as queen. Catherine was a key figure in popularizing education for women. She made sure her daughter was educated as she was and made large donations to several colleges. In 1513, Henry went to France and Catherine served as the Queen Regent. When Scotland took the opportunity to invade England during this time, a heavily pregnant Catherine rode in full-body armor with her soldiers and inspired them into battle with a rousing speech. Despite being beloved by the people of England, Catherine was unable to produce a male heir to the throne. At first, Henry began to take mistresses, but eventually asked the church for an annulment in 1527. Catherine was well aware of her husband's notorious infidelity. In 1533, the royal marriage was annulled by an archbishop, and Henry had already married Anne Boleyn in secret. It was then decided that the king was to be head of the Church of England, not the pope, and reformation began to take shape. Catherine refused to accept Henry's actions and, despite their divorce, believed she was still the true queen. She even refused to send the crown jewels to Anne Boleyn when the second wife wrote to request them. Catherine of Aragon resided in Kimbleton Castle until she passed away in 1536. Anne Boleyn came to England from France in 1522 and quickly became a lady-in-waiting to Catherine of Aragon. While at court, her sister Mary, who was one of the king's mistresses, introduced her to Henry. The king was smitten with Anne and would send her love letters. Originally, Anne declined his advances, claiming she would rather be married than someone's mistress, but their flirtation continued. Henry VIII then began his conflict with the Catholic Church, hoping to annul his marriage to Catherine and Mary Anne. In 1533, the two were married in secret as Anne was pregnant. As a queen, Anne worked to make improvements for those living in poverty as well as in foreign policy and helped handle the king's finances. Smart lady! Henry eventually found new mistresses, one of them being Anne's lady-in-waitings, Jane Seymour. And this made Anne extremely jealous and furious. Her reaction to Henry's infidelity as well as her inability to produce led to the end of their marriage. In 1536, Henry chose Jane Seymour for his next wife and sought to end his marriage to Anne, who he had held at the Tower of London on charges of incest, witchcraft, adultery, and conspiracy. Though many would find this situation traumatizing, it is recorded that Anne Boleyn remained calm and collected in court up until the date of her execution. Anne Boleyn was stripped of her titles and beheaded on May 19, 1563, by a French swordsman. Asshole. <laughs> Actually, fun fact about the French swordsman thing. Most beheadings in England at the time were done by axe, and Anne 
put in a request to have hers done by a French swordsman because it would be less, you know, gory and gross and painful. And Henry granted her that request, which he didn't actually grant. Well, Catherine Howard didn't make a request, but, you know, even though he killed her off, there was still kind of a respect, I think, between them because he granted her that. Not that much, not that much respect, obviously, because he killed her, but uh, I thought that was pretty cool. That is really interesting. Moving right along. Despite (laughs) being born into a prestigious family, Jane Seymour was not as highly educated as the previous queens. It is noted that this, as well as her reserved nature, is what drew Henry VIII to her, as she was very different from his first two wives. Jane served as lady-in-waiting to both Catherine of Aragon and Anne Boleyn, and married Henry only 11 days after Anne Boleyn was executed. Girl... She passed away due to complications in childbirth in 1537 after giving Henry a male heir. Jane Seymour never received a formal coronation. However, she is the only one of Henry's wives to be buried with him, and he would always refer to her as his one true queen. It is recorded that he mourned her death greatly and didn't take another wife until 1540. In 1539... Henry and Anne's brother, the reigning Duke of Cleves, arranged a marriage to create a much-needed alliance between the two countries. Hans Holbein, the younger, was sent to Germany to paint both Anne and her sister Amalia so Henry could choose which one he would marry. Henry was disappointed in Anne's looks, claiming that her portrait, as well as those involved in planning the marriage, had exaggerated her beauty. To avoid conflict with Germany, he decided to marry her anyway. The two were wed in 1540, but six months later, Henry annulled the marriage, which Anne consented to. Anne was then awarded a generous settlement of funds, property, as well as a place in court and a friendship with her ex-husband. Anne of Cleves passed away in 1557, outliving Henry and his ex-wives. Cousin to Anne Boleyn, Catherine Howard was raised and educated by her stepmother, the Dowager Duchess of Norfolk. During her time with the Duchess, Catherine had two relationships— one with her music teacher, Henry Mannix, and one with Francis Derham. Catherine came to court as a lady-in-waiting to Anne of Cleves. Henry was drawn to her youth and beauty and married her in 1540. He was 30 years her senior, but she lifted his spirits and he showered her with gifts. In 1541, Catherine had started an affair with Thomas Culpepper, one of the king's courtiers. By fall, rumors of Catherine's affair and her past relationships began to sully her reputation. Investigations into these rumors led to the executions of both Culpepper and Derham. In mid-November, Catherine was stripped of her title as queen and was imprisoned for her indiscretions. In January 1542, a bill was passed making it treason and punishable by death for a queen consort to commit adultery or fail to disclose her sexual history to the king. Catherine was then beheaded on February 13, 1542. So what that means is she was arrested in November and he didn't have an excuse to, well, he didn't have anything he could charge her with to kill her. So he made something up to charge her with to kill her. He is one sick, you know what. (laughs) Bastard. Yep. Stronger word, but I like where we're going with that. I don't care. I'll say it. (laughs) All right. So... I'll pass it over to you to talk about the last wife. Catherine Parr was the final wife of Henry VIII and the last queen of the House of Tudor. Being born to a high-status family, Catherine received a thorough education and developed a passion for learning, which she continued to do for the rest of her life. After being widowed twice, Catherine became a lady-in-waiting to Lady Mary, the daughter of Catherine of Aragon. 
During this time, she met Sir Thomas Seymour, and the two became romantically involved. As a member of the court, Catherine caught Henry VIII's attention. When he proposed to her, she accepted, despite her relationship with Seymour, as she considered this to be her duty. Catherine married Henry in July 1543, and she became Queen of England and Ireland. In 1544, Henry left for France, and Catherine ruled as Queen Regent. She handled finances, proclamations, provisions, and was very invested in the conflict with Scotland. In 1546, Catherine came under suspicion as a Protestant and there was a warrant out for her arrest until she spoke with the king claiming that she had taken an opposing view to him to distract him from the pain in his leg. After Henry's death, Catherine remained in court until Edward was crowned in 1547. Thomas Seymour then returned to court and the two were secretly married for months before announcing it to the public. This resulted in a falling out with Henry's children, King Edward, Lady Mary, and Lady Elizabeth. In 1547, Catherine's second book, Lamentations of a Sinner, was published. Her first, Psalms or Prayers, had been published anonymously in 1543. In 1548, Catherine became pregnant and gave birth to her daughter Mary, after which she passed away from complications. Her funeral was the first Protestant funeral to be held in English. Amazing. Props to those women. So now let's talk a little bit about six and what we think. So six. Six. <laughs> so I love anything with silly references in it. And six doesn't disappoint. It's similar to how I feel about Hamilton. It's packed with history, but with a modern twist. So it's easier to grasp when coming at you all at once through song lyrics. Growing up in Canada in history class, we learned the very basics of Henry VIII and his wives. In fact, it was always just presented like that, Henry VIII and his wives. <laughs> and I remember we focused a lot on Anne Boleyn and watched the other Boleyn girl in class at one point, but that was really it when it came to the queens. There's plenty that I only discovered about each individual queen through listening to Six and later reading into articles about them because... The lyrics provoke the desire to learn so much more and understand all of the references. However, as wonderful as I think Six is, there is a big part of me that wishes the show was different. Of course, it all goes back to how it would be impossible to rewrite anything within a certain way without losing the main concept of the queens as pop stars. But I do wish there was a bigger and better script with less bickering between the women and tasteless punchlines, for example, the one about miscarriages. I think it just takes too much of the story to get to the main conclusion of women uplifting and supporting each other with the wonderful opportunity to rewrite her story, as they say. I think there could have been just a touch more played around to get to that point sooner. That's just my opinion. You know, if you listen to the podcast, you know that I'm kind of a sucker for anything based on historical events with a modern score. Therefore, six is totally up my alley. And Chrissy's right, because my history classes never really covered these women as they mainly focused on Canadian history. Uh, so my knowledge was kind of limited to what was presented in books and other forms of media. I think the only one I knew by name or knew anything about prior to six uh, was Anne Boleyn. But my favorite part about this musical has got to be the music itself. Marlowe and Moss have created a score that you would never think to pair with this historical tale. It's modern, clever, catchy, and it shares the highlight reels of these women's lives in a way which is easy to understand. I also have to take a moment to mention the absolutely gorgeous costumes designed for the show by Gabriella Slade. They are absolutely 
brilliant and exactly how I would think to give a modern design to these Tudor era gowns. <laughs> totally. You know, however, I do have to say that as someone who has gone down many internet rabbit holes to find out more about the women who inspired this musical, I, I can't help but say that I wish that more of their lives were covered within the show. However, take this with a grain of salt. I say that about literally every historical musical that I've seen. <laughs> but I do also have to agree with Chrissy when it comes to the show's structure. I really wish that the final message about these women uplifting and supporting each other was showcased throughout the piece instead of becoming kind of the ending message. That being said, I totally get that there's only so much you can fit into an 80-minute musical. And I think that six is not only a fabulous night out out at the theater. I said out. <laughs> I'm Canadian. <laughs> it's not only a fabulous night out at the theater, but it's a clever and well-executed concept. Totally. And while I still do thoroughly enjoy Six, it's another show I now appreciate from more of afar. Like over the past seven or so years, there have been such an intensity on social media with Broadway fans or stands, as they say, and intensity is great if it's positive. And this intensity is often pitting performers against each other based on their appearance within the show. And often with really ridiculous things like, oh, their skirt isn't as bouncy as the former cast member's skirt. And yes, I wish I was making that up, but it happened. <laughs> it's just, it's awful because it will always be seen by whoever it's directed towards. And these smaller scale comments begin to grow into bigger, nastier comments. All these performers are so insanely talented, and at the end of the day, it's a job. It's a paycheck, and nobody should have to deal with so much emotional and mental stress while doing their job. And that's just about the performers. I see so many fans getting at each other online, and it's just, it's awful. And it's all over, it's, it's usually opinion-based on what they think of the show or who their favorite queen is and such and just it's really shitty it's really shitty you know straight up i just have to say i think it's very ironic that a show that's about uplifting and supporting other women has generated a fan base that can be kind of toxic and do the exact opposite in that way so uh i'm sure all of our listeners are lovely people but let us all just take a moment to say I will think before I put anything on the internet. Amen. I think <laughs> <laughs> I think especially as um as women, we've all been there at one point and it's just super super crappy whether you're whichever end you're on if you're a performer, if you're a fan of something, you know? So, like Jocelyn said, always think before you post. If you wouldn't like it said to you, don't say it. And that's all. Spread the love, baby. Spread the Spread love. The love. <laughs> yeah, Six is also a costume and cosplay friendly show, which yes. I am so obsessed with. I think it's so cool and so fun. And I love seeing groups of fans coming together to create these costumes by hand and attending the show wearing them because they are such intricate costumes and I don't even know where everyone finds the material for these because I've looked and they're always on that like what do you call that site AliExpress or y'all know what I'm talking about right it's like that 
site where you're like, do I trust ordering this 90 cent fabric? Is it really going to come to my house or am I being totally screwed out of 90 cents? (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like wish. (laughs) Wish. Thank you. That's what I was thinking. There's a few out there, but yeah, they do it so well. It's it's amazing. It is amazing. And Chrissy is actually one of those amazing cosplayers. She made a gorgeous Anne Boleyn costume at the beginning of lockdown. And I have yet I have yet to make a six cosplay. I really want to because my hair's long enough for it now. Um, but I just don't have the patience right now. So anyway, we will keep you updated on that process. Maybe by <laughs> 2022, I'll have it finished. You want to know what I actually used? Well, basically, I was in a showcase and we were going to do um, X-Wives and the Mega Six for a performance. And then that got shut down. But I had made the costume already. And it was made out of, like, tablecloth plastic. Because I was like, there's no way I'm ordering from these websites. I just don't know if they're going to arrive or if they're going to arrive in seven months from now, maybe. They'll show up at my door. Um, and I also used, what do you call that? Like, like wrapping paper kind of not it's in sheets basically not in like a roll so I used that and I cut it into squares and I put it underneath and then I used like black pvc I think is the name for it and I stuck it over and (laughs) it's a mess but it's pretty good for someone with no skills using plastic oh hush you have lots of skills but I have to say I've seen photos and like it looks flawless in a photo so you know what that's it's 2020, well, 2021, but back then it was 2020. And you know what? We're still not going anywhere. So if it looks good in a photo, that's really all that matters, right? This is so true. <laughs> so true. And now we have some awesome listener questions. So we're going to jump into this one. Who is your favorite queen? Okay. So, like, historically or in the show? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, in the musical, I love Anna of Cleves and Catherine Howard. But in real life, I'm just so intrigued and fascinated by Anne Boleyn and Catherine of Aragon. I think they are uh, such brilliant, smart women who are far ahead of their time. And I think they get classed into as those divorced, beheaded, died categories. But that's why we wanted to share some of that history history piece with you is because they were so crucial to changing certain things at the time that they were in but nobody nobody really credits them with that like right off the bat and um there's this book i want to read so i'm gonna plug it here it's by Haley nolan and it's called anne boleyn 500 years of lies or something and i am desperate to read it it's my next amazon order and she basically goes and debunks all of the myths about anne and shares her her like real story and so i'm really excited to read it and if it's good we'll share the link with y'all that does sound really great. Um, I'm not sure if I have a specific favorite, but I would say my favorite song in the show is Don't Lose Your Head. So possibly Anne Boleyn. But I also think Anne of Cleves is such an icon. We love her. We do. All right. This is a cool question. Do you have a dream cast for the queens? I actually haven't really thought about it until right now. But I think Renee Rapp would make an excellent Anne Boleyn and maybe even Noblestada as 
Jane Seymour. Wow. Her voice has so much grace while being so insanely powerful. And I think it would be a nice role to show off those awesome acting chops she's got. Like, mm-hmm. she would kill that. I love great. it. Great. You know? I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again, but Harper Miles would be freaking brilliant as Anna of Cleves. I would pay so much money to see that. She just, she would be perfect. She'd be perfect. Um, mm-hmm. Totally agree. Also, I don't really have any like dream casts because my dream casts have kind of already happened. I mean, Samantha Polly as Catherine Howard is something I really wanted to see. And uh, Danielle Steers is Catherine Parr. And that's also something I really wanted to see. So I kind of have my dream casts. Um, but I think more than any dream cast, I would really, really love to see a production done here in Toronto with local talent. I think there are so many uh, talented women in uh, the Toronto theater scene and it would be so cool to see them doing this. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think this is a show that doesn't need big names to sell it because it's just so cool, the concept on its own. And I also think this is a great show for like newcomers, new new performers, because there's so many of these performers that I literally didn't know about until this show. And now they are such massive names in the arts world. Yeah, honestly, you know, Six has become so big that the title of the show kind of, you know, does the work that casting a big name would. Um, And I think that, um, hold on, I think that for a show like Six, you know, you don't really need, you know, one person who's a big name or anything like that. What you need to find, which is, you know, kind of tricky, but also I think easy given how much talent there is up there. You need to find six women who click and can sing their faces off for 80 minutes. And that's what makes it such a great show because, you know, it's an all-female cast. Casting in that sense, you need to find six equal, six equally strong vocalists. And that's just, it makes me so excited. I love that. Um, Yeah. And to add to your point that you made about it's an all-female show, the band is also female. Yes. Right? It's all women. It's amazing. It's a chance to uplift uh, our female musicians in the industry as well as our female performers. And I think that's awesome. Because honestly, the amount of times I've looked over the stage into a pit and I've seen only men down there. It's it's sad because there's so many talented women who deserve to be in the band, in the pit. And a lot of, a lot of the times they're just not chosen over men. Sucks. Actually, if you're listening to this and you agree with Chrissy and you also see have seen a lot of orchestras that are full of men and male-dominated, there is a group. They're called Broadway Sinfonetta. And what they are, they are uh, an orchestra of only female identifying musicians and the majority of their musicians are women of color. So it's really focusing and giving um, the spotlight to these women who may not have always have the chances to be in these big orchestras. So definitely uh, check them out. If they sound familiar, it's because they just did the score and stuff for Ratatouille. Um, But anyway, 
yeah, so I just thought it would be a, a good moment to mention them if you're uh, if you're curious and into all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's amazing. We'll definitely we'll link them so you can easily find them. I love that. It's amazing. I didn't know that. <laughs> um, what is your favorite Queen song and why? Can I say the Mega Six? <laughs> I'm joking, but I think all of these songs are brilliant because of how different they are. You know what they are is they are little hints and nods to uh, women within the pop music industry and then combined with these historical things. So I think they're amazing because they're all different. And I love this album because it always gets me pumped up on my drive to work. Um, I don't have like a driving playlist. I just put on the sixth album. But if it, I had to like pick a favorite, I think Get Down and No Way are the ones that I have kind of the most on repeat because they're just so fun. They're so much fun. They're like a continuous party the whole time, those two tracks. Well, honestly, the whole show is a continuous party the whole time, like music wise. But yeah, those two tracks just get me like ready to face the day. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so I did mention earlier that my favorite song is Don't Lose Your Head. However, overall, my favorite song, like Jocelyn, is the Mega Six. Is that a valid answer? I don't know. But I just think it's so much fun. And I am so sad it's not on the cast recording. I'm really hoping that if we get a Broadway cast recording, which I hope they do because it would be much more updated now since that EP came out like way before the West End run. It came out in 2018, actually, before the Arts Theater production even opened. There you go. So, yeah, we're in need of an updated one and we want the Mega Six on it, please. <laughs> I also just like really would love a recording of Sam Pauly singing All You Want to Do because I think she's brilliant and um, if you like Sam Pauly, there is an interview with her up on Break a Leg, and you should go check it out because she's amazing and we love her. Yeah, it's so true. So in conclusion, six rules. We definitely want to see it when it reopens on Broadway. Hopefully by then Jocelyn will have a Kay Howard inspired costume ready and we can go and it'll probably only look I probably won't wear it to the show because it'll probably only look good on camera but you know it's the thought that counts. <laughs> They'll both be made by duct tape and you know what if they fall off on the street we are so sorry we tried our hardest. <laughs> As always, I'm Jocelyn, and you can find me at bothsidesofthecurtain.com. We're also on Instagram at bothsidesofthecurtain. And you can find me on breaklegblog.com and on Instagram at breaklegblogger. We have loved chatting with you about all things six, and we'll see you very soon for another episode full of stagey fun. Bye! Before we go, we just wanted to share with you a very exciting milestone that we hit this month. We've recently hit 400 listeners, and we want to thank you all for listening and sharing comments with us and letting us know what you like, who you want to see guest star with us on the podcast, and all that jazz. We are so grateful for all of your support. And as always, you can reach out to us to let us know all the things Chrissy mentioned above by sending us an email at breakingthecurtain at gmail.com. We love, love you! you.